You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Edelman knows just how important it is to be prepared for whatever life hands you. Do you have a strategy to help protect your wealth and your family? Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to learn more about what you need for your financial situation with a complimentary wealth checkup. Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on an extra special mailbag edition of the Her Money Podcast. Karen Feinerman's in the house and Karen, well, she doesn't need that much of an introduction, but I'm gonna give her one anyway. Karen is the CEO of Metropolitan Capital Advisors. She's a panelist on CNBC's Fast Money. She's the co-host of our investing club, Investing Fix, the best-selling author of Feinerman's Rules, Secrets I'd Only Tell My Daughters About Business and Life, the mother of two sets of twins, including those daughters, and drumroll please, the host of the new podcast produced by Her Money called How She Does It. Karen, welcome. Thank you. Oh, I mean, it's always fun to be with you, Jean, no matter what the format. So I've really had a good time with you. Me as well. And I think after that list of things, people are going to be wondering how you do it. So you're going to have to answer that question as well. And you and I have been friends now for quite some time. Yeah, a while. A while. And I've had the amazing experience of being at a party at your house. I am thinking back to one in particular, a group of women, Melissa Lee and Sally Krawcheck, Elisa Port, who is one of the country's preeminent breast cancer surgeons, so many fun and amazing women. And we talked and we laughed for hours and hours, no holds barred. That's the spirit of this new show of yours. It is a cocktail party in your headphones <laughs> with women who you've always wanted to meet, openly sharing their thoughts about money and power and work and life and love, the kind of thoughts that you would only tell your girlfriends. And some of those same women, Sally Krawcheck and Melissa Lee, are among your first guests, along with Nikki Leandakis from Core Power Yoga and broadcasters Claire Shipman and Caddy Kay and Julie Wainwright, founder of The Real Real. How are you feeling about it? I am excited. I, I remember the party in particular you were talking about, and that is one of my absolute favorite things to do to be with my girlfriends, talk with them, hear their stories, their ups and downs. And even I think that day, one of the questions was, what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you? I uh, remember your story. Yes. <laughs> we won't go there. We don't. It's just too ridiculous. So anyway, that, I mean, I love the company of women. And so this is really exciting for me to get to have that time with the women I already know, but also for me to meet some new women who I've always admired or who are doing interesting, exciting, fascinating things. And so I'm really excited about this. Yeah. So if you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet, hit the follow button in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love for everybody to join us for Investing Fix as well. Investing Fix is also really fun, that community of women. 
is really great. And hopefully we're creating sort of a safe and comfortable place for women who are interested and want to learn to invest and do it together with a bunch of women. Yeah, we meet every other Monday night on Zoom. Our next meeting is July 24th. And by the way, everybody's first month is free. So you can register at portal.investingfix.com. We take time in that forums to answer questions on a regular basis in real time. But we've also noticed some investing questions piling up in our mailbox. And rather than just let them sit there, we decided to pull together a bonus mailbag. And Karen is going to help us dig into them. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So We have first a question from Emily, who says she loved being part of the Investing Fix beta group. She's learned a lot about researching companies, but she says, my current asset allocation has a heavier than usual cash position due to my fear of a big market drop if a recession ever arrives. Should I just hold my nose and start dollar cost averaging into quality companies? Is now the time to look for something out of favor and on sale? Thank you. What would you say to somebody like that? I can totally relate to this. I remember just recession is always coming at some point or another. Or we're in one and then, right. (laughs) Right. Dollar cost averaging is just always the right way to go. Unless you feel certain, and I know no one who does, that they can time the market both in and out every time. So to me, that's sort of a fool's errand. And you only know much later whether it was the right time to get in or out. But by dollar cost averaging, which just for anyone who doesn't know, it's you have a set amount of money that you're going to invest, say, every month, $1,000, or every week, 250 whatever it is. And you're just going to use, she talked about having cash piled up. She's going to use that cash and invest it slowly over time. And when you're doing that, you actually want the market to go down because your $250 that week will buy a lot more than if the market goes up. But you don't want to miss that market going up. The main thing this allows you to do is take the emotion out of investing because your gut instinct almost always tells you the wrong thing to do. It feels comfortable to jump in the market with both feet when the market's going nuts, and it feels awful to put a dollar to work when the market's just terrible. And in fact, those two things are reversed. When it's terrible, that's the time. And when it's great, that's the time to be cautious. But we never know that. So dollar cost averaging is the way to go. I love the emphasis on the fact that when you're putting that $250 to work, you want the market to be going down because you're right. It's the antithesis of how we think about it. Somebody once said to me, don't think in terms of dollars. Think in terms of shares and your dollars buy more shares when the market's going down. Right. Well, another way I think of it is When you go to a store that you love and you see something on sale, do you say, no, I don't want to buy it. It's on sale. I want to wait till the price goes up. Then I'll feel more comfortable buying it. That's not how most of us shop, I think. No. No, so. we should. I've never thought that way ever. In fact, <laughs> in fact, right. sometimes I have to put a halt on my purchases that I do buy on sale because it's such a four-letter word for me. It really, you know, has neon lights every time it appears. 
All right, let's take the next one. This one comes from Lo, and she says, I've got my IRA with Fidelity. Now, how do I start investing in index funds? The website is probably simple, but my brain can't compute. I'm wanting to start to contribute a small amount each month and then have that built up. Any advice or YouTube course you can recommend or a step-by-step tutorial? I'm happy to dive into this one if you'd like. Yeah, I think this is right up your alley, Jean. So you've got the bucket. Sometimes we get a little bit confused between the accounts and the investments that we have to put in those accounts. So you've got the bucket. You've got the IRA, which is the account itself. You need to deposit some money into that IRA. I also have an account like yours. And you go into that account and pick the index fund that you want to purchase and the amount of money that you want to use to buy that purchase. And then you just push the button to execute that trade. You don't have to put it all to work at once. You can dollar cost average, as we were talking to Emily about. If you've got, let's say, $5,000 in that account, you could decide that over the next five months, you're going to put a 1000 of those dollars to work. And every one of those months, you could use that money to buy a total stock market index fund, which would cover all of your bases. Or you could use it to buy shares in an S&P 500 index fund, which would diversify you across the S&P 500, which is a, a large company index. And you could follow that index every single day just by looking at the price of the S&P, which is tracked pretty much everywhere. Or you could buy an index of small company stocks like the Russell 2000. If you're just getting started, I would probably start with either that total stock market index fund or the S&P 500 index fund. But you're not going to go wrong with either one. You just have to keep in mind that you're tracking the market. You're not really trying to beat the market. And so if the market goes down as a whole, you're going to lose a little bit of money. But that means that the next month, when you go in to buy your next $1,000 chunk, you're going to be able to get more shares for the same amount of money. Over time, what we've seen is that the markets do go up. So when we're not talking in weeks or days or months, but instead in years and decades, you will make money historically based on what we know as long as you stick with it. What did I miss? I think you got it. I think you nailed it. Just one thing just to clarify. When you hear people on TV or in the paper, you read about the market did this or that on any given day. The S&P 500 is really what people are talking about when we say the market. So it's that broad index of bigger companies that you talked about. Fantastic. So we've got a couple more, but before we get to them, we're going to take a very quick break. Her Money is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Preparing for the unexpected tomorrow is what gives us the peace of mind to live a life of freedom today. 
Protecting your family is about so much more than just saving and investing. Having a conversation about your wealth is an important part of your protection puzzle. Explore your options with a complimentary wealth checkup. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney or call 833-304-PLAN. And we're back. I'm talking with Karen Feinerman. We're answering your questions about investing and celebrating the launch of her new podcast, How She Does It. Our next question comes from Sophia. And Sophia writes, I'm thinking about diversifying my investment portfolio and investing in commodities. Would you advise I invest in oil, gold, or base metals by buying individual stocks, ETFs, or mutual funds? If I go the route of buying individual stocks, which ones would you recommend? So Karen, before we tackle this, what are commodities and where do they tend to fit in a portfolio? So the commodity in general, commodities are things that you've probably heard of, like oil, like copper, gas, lumber, gasoline for driving. What other things would be? Some base metals. Some will probably be considered a real commodity in the future, like titanium, things that are going to be used in lithium in batteries as that technology grows. So those are all kinds of things. Those are called commodities. Sometimes it's also foodstuffs, but let's just stick to the sort of copper, lumber, things like that. Those things are very integral to physical growth in the economy. And so there is a term called Dr. Copper, which is that copper is a doctor and it will diagnose whether the economy is growing or not by the price of copper. So copper is sort of considered a bellwether for the economy. And so there is a place for commodities. To me, I think to your question about how to invest, I think ETFs are a very good way to go. There's a number of them. There's one called the XLE, which is an energy ETF, which includes oil, natural gas. It also includes companies that service oil companies. Those are called oil service companies, not, not shockingly. And so it's sort of a good broad mix of things related to energy. And energy, of course, is very integral in the economy. So in terms of your question about buying specific companies, you can look at what are the holdings in the XLE. And the biggest ones are Chevron and Exxon. And so you could buy companies like that that have big exposure to oil, but they also have exposure to gas stations. So they have what's called upstream and downstream. But an ETF, don't be embarrassed about an ETF. It's a perfectly good, logical, low-cost, efficient way to have exposure to a sector, and in this case, energy. And I, the exposure that I have to precious metals in my retirement portfolio, it's all ETFs. I do think people sometimes think, well, if I'm buying ETFs, I'm not picking a stock, so I'm shirking when it comes to doing my homework. In fact, you're getting instantaneous diversification for not a lot of money because ETFs are very inexpensive investments in terms of their fees and expenses for the most part. I use ETFs and it's a very good instrument. It really is. So don't feel shy about them. 
Another question comes from Allison. She says, "I've been a longtime TD Ameritrade customer and was very satisfied with their service and my returns. It was recently acquired by Charles Schwab, and therefore I am now a Charles Schwab customer. Should I consider a different online broker or stick with Charles Schwab for now? What online broker do you use?" So excited for your new podcast, Karen. Thank you. So I am a fan of doing things as easily as possible. When we look at the online brokers, Schwab, Fidelity, E-Trade, I mean the list of the leading online brokers, they're all good. You may be a little comfortable or more comfortable with one interface than another. My feeling is I have always sort of patronized the firm where my retirement plan is based. And the reason is that I want to see everything on one screen. And so for many, many years, my retirement plan through my employer was with Fidelity. And so when I needed to open a discretionary brokerage account, I opened it there so that I could see everything with one login. I would say try Schwab. You are already there. All of your information has been ported over. If for whatever reason it's uncomfortable to you or you have trouble getting the hang of it, then you could make a different choice. But I don't see any reason to just leave out of hand. What do you think? Totally agree. Give them a chance. I would imagine the user interface is probably pretty similar, and it might be very seamless. In which case, you haven't done. A whole lot of extra work for maybe a better product and maybe not. So definitely give it a try first. Our last question today comes from Betty. She writes, "One place I struggle with investing in individual stocks is having an exit plan. I'd be interested in hearing how you've developed an exit plan for stocks, whether it's when to give up on a loser or deciding to get out when you've done well." Karen, I wish that Betty had been in our class last Monday night. We talked all about. When to sell, and Betty, if you do decide to give investing fix a try, you can go back and you can watch past episodes, and we spent a good hour on this. But in not an hour, Karen, how would you describe your philosophy? Well, first, you've identified probably one of the hardest things to know how to do, and it's only in hindsight that you really have a great answer. I have a few rules for when I sell for sure. One is if. Something very dramatic happened in the company that really affects my fundamental thesis of why I wanted to own it. So, let's say, for example, a new regulation came out against a drug that was a blockbuster drug for X Y Z Corp, and so the FDA pulled their approval. That's the kind of thing that I would sell for. Another one might be if I get very uncomfortable with management. And that might be because they promised too much and were unable to deliver. And I let that go once or twice because you can't know for sure how things are going to work out. The economy can be volatile, so I let that go once or twice. The third time, that's it. Another time to sell is when a position has worked, and now it's such a big part of the portfolio. That I'm just not as diversified as I'd like to be, so that's hard and sad to sell. I hate to say goodbye to the winners that have treated me well, but sometimes it's just too big of a bet, so you have to sell. And then 
one last one where sometimes you just get too frustrated with something. And if it's really just causing you, you know, sleepless nights, sell half or sell all. But selling half is an option as well. So that's what I do. It's very hard, though. I love it. It's painful many, many times, but those are great rules. So thank you for that, Karen. Again, if you'd like to try it out, you can just go to investingfix.com and you can look at the entire class on that topic. If you've got any other money or investing related questions, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at mailbag at hermoney.com. Karen, thanks for doing this. Jean, thank you. Always fun to be with you, Jean. Always fun to have you here and very, very excited for the launch of How She Does It. Thank you. Me too. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, you guys, it's Jean. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love because I love it. Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business and economics and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, even Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics like whether AI has a sense of humor and whether two CEOs are better than one. If you are curious like me and just looking to better understand the world around you, you will find it on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, it's Jean. If you want to continue unlocking your potential, then you should also check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by our friends at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Think Fast, Talk Smart is the Webby Award-winning Best Business Podcast that received nearly 50 million downloads. It's the number one career podcast in 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Each week, host and Stanford lecturer Matt Abraham sits down with experts to discuss the best tips to hone and develop your communication skills from making small talk that leaves a big impression to keeping your nerves in check while speaking, to being more persuasive. Whether you're working on your elevator pitch or planning an important meeting, strong communication skills are critical to business. All that and so much more is available on Think Fast, Talk Smart. Listen every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show and Karen's new show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Edelman Financial Engines and BCU. This show is produced by Haley Pascalides with help from the Her Money team. Her Money is mixed and mastered by CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper and our show comes to you through Megaphone. This podcast is also part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. You can find us and other shows like us at airwavemedia.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon.